We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day podcast. Tuesday, August ninth, two thousand and twenty-two. It is kind of game week. Welcome back to NFL football, ladies and gentlemen. There's a preseason game in the books. Josh Jacobs played, so I guess it kind of counts for the Raiders that they got to go through that game. The Jaguars didn't play anybody of note. Uh, Trevon Walker got a sack, so the number one pick got some time on the field as well. But the team that is the most important to everyone here, the Green Bay Packers, will travel to San Francisco to play the team that eliminated them from last year's postseason, the San Francisco 49ers. Jordan Love making his starting debut of the 2022 preseason. I'm your host of the Pack-A-Day podcast today. I am Jacob Westendorf and with a special shout out to the cult members that were in my direct messages last week. The office sucks. It's unwatchable and it's not funny. Join with me as always are the two people you're going to like more than that because I don't think that their take is going to be the same as that for me. First, I will start with my more handsome namesake. That is Jacob Morley. Jacob live from his prison cell. Uh, that looks a lot like I said before the show, Jesse's from Breaking Bad in season five. Look it up if you have not watched that show in a while. Mr. Morley, how is life from beyond the prison cell? You have to call, are you going to call me Prison Mike? No, I'm so, not going to call you Prison staying, Mike. Staying with the goat, the goat office quotes, the goat, the, one of the best TV shows of all time. Uh, just a terrible take on your part, but I'm doing good. I'm doing good. It's nice and cool in here. It's been hotter than. Hotter than a $2 pistol out here in Kansas City, so it's nice to be in my jail cell, my cool, nice basement jail cell. So uh, things are going good. Uh, I actually forgot that there was a football game last week, uh, so that's cool. A, le- a shout-out to Leroy Butler, though, his uh, induction to the Hall of Fame. That was that was awesome. That was very cool to watch. Um, but we're going to talk, uh, talk a little ball today, and we're actually joined by Mr. Hollywood himself as well. We got him on the horn this week. He's actually here. Ross Uglum, you can find him at Ross Uglum on Twitter. Ross, superstar, Ross the boss. How you feeling, man? I'm always good. Congratulations, to Leroy. Congratulations. Here, I'll give you one right here. You can ding our old bell, Jacob. Congratulations to my co- <laughs> to my close personal friend of whom I have his cell phone number, Gilbert Brown, who inducted. Ding. Leroy into the Hall of Fame. <laughs> uh, shout out to the Packer Report podcast with Gilbert Brown and Miss You Digger. Um, but that was really, really cool to uh, to see Gilbert be able to do that and to to um, 
see Leroy finally get his flowers. And, uh, you know, my petition to uh, have Atwater and Lynch removed for two years uh, and then let back in has been declined. So they're actually just going to stay uh, wrongfully in the hall ahead of Leroy. But at the end, it, do- it doesn't matter. No, all is well. That ends well. And for everybody that was wondering, we did try to get uh, Rocky Uglum on the podcast tonight, but it, it turns out it is bedtime. So we will have to get him on another podcast at another time, guys. We're going to talk Green Bay Packers tonight. And the joke that Ross made before the show was get Owen on the phone and say, hey, Owen Reese, we're talking about big people, your thoughts. So that's kind of the route we're going to go today. You guys have heard a bunch about Romeo Dobbs, I'm sure. And I'm sure you've heard a lot about uh, Aaron Rodgers and Jordan Love and all that stuff. Uh, real quick, I guess, just because it was confirmed today that Jordan Love is going to start. Matt LaFleur said in his press conference today, somebody asked him, I don't remember who, so forgive me, but somebody asked him, who uh, or when are you going to have a conversation with Aaron Rodgers about potentially playing? He smiled and said, after New Orleans, which would be the second preseason game, and then said, don't ask me for a while, which got a chuckle. Uh, to me, that says that they're not going to actually have that conversation. Rodgers hasn't played a snap under Matt LaFleur in the preseason. I don't anticipate that changing. If it were me, I would play Jordan Love every single snap in the preseason, maybe until you get like deep, deep on the depth chart on the offensive line. But Morley, do you have any interest in seeing Aaron Rodgers or Danny Etling this preseason? No, none whatsoever. And I think it's it's the Jordan Love show until further notice. Um, let's see what he's got. And even, you know, even getting deep into that too, like I want to see him kind of play with those guys and see if, you know, if he can actually elevate some play, I do understand as well. Like you don't want him out there playing with basically me at left tackle, but uh, I, you know, I want to see a ton of Jordan love. I want to see him work with these young receivers. I want to see him uh, work with these young skill position guys and the young offensive line talent. So uh, it is going to be a really fun preseason just to kind of watch because preseason football is pretty much all about backup quarterbacks. It really is. Like that's kind of what drives the interest level of these games. Um, so I, I'm excited, man. I, you know, I, it's no, it's no secret that I'm a big Jordan Love fan. So I'm hoping he goes out and uh, shows us what, Apparently he's made strides, you know, in practice. And I really hope that we see it on the field. Yeah. And that very well could be Ross. Just real quick. Any, any reason to see 12 on the field or anybody other than, than Jordan love. Yeah. I mean, you can certainly make the case, you know, if, if uh, I believe now that there's just three preseason games that there's a week off in between. So mm-hmm. if that third preseason game is quote unquote, the dress rehearsal and let's say they are able to get Watson available. Yeah. You know, I, I think if Watson and dubs and obviously I think Watkins is, is certainly going to be, you know, a, a part of your plan. Maybe live reps are important. And that's, you know, people talk about live reps at, at practice and, and, and those are certainly competitive. That's that kind of stuff is certainly um, important, but, there's also a difference. I, I know people hate preseason football. I actually love preseason football. I, I'm just – I'm that much of like a roster depth junkie um, that I, I – and, and it also, all, for me, you know, it's it's kind of a, a free roll. I'm, I'm, I'm certainly a lot less stressed out if the Packers lose a preseason game. It's, it's like how do I watch uh, 
how do I watch Packers football without worrying about being sad all week? <laughs> That's kind of how I view uh, preseason football. And um, ultimately, though, like those live rep snaps against someone else fighting for their job and, and some someone else who who wishes ill upon you. You know, your, your teammate will always or I shouldn't say always, but your teammate will most of the time you know, not fully unload the clip on you in the open field or, or, you know, go, you know, maybe go that hard in, in a pass rush situation or, or, uh, you know, knock your block off on a, on a little, little bit of a high pass, that kind of thing. In a preseason game, you're just going to get your head knocked off. And in a preseason game, they will hit your quarterback in a preseason game. You know, it's, it, it, it's different. It, it might not be, you know, full on quote unquote football, but it's more football than practice, if that makes sense. Yeah, and by this time, like I've recycled through watching highlights and old game tape and all that stuff from last year's team. And I even went through some 2020 highlights today just because I had that kind of time on my hands. And now you get something new. And Ross, like you mentioned, you know, an example we could give is family night where Devontae Wyatt beat Sean Ryan on a wicked spin move. That's a sack, most likely. But maybe it isn't, and maybe Jordan Love drops a dime to Samari Torre. Like, either way, you kind of get to see both of those things, and that's kind of what I'm excited for, especially true when you have a legitimate possible high-end backup. You know, when we're looking at Deshaun Kaiser versus Tim Boyle, no disrespect to those guys, but there just isn't anything to learn about either one of those players, especially that particular season. We kind of knew both of those guys weren't going to be starting quarterbacks in the NFL. Jordan Love might be. And Jordan Love might turn into the starting quarterback of the Green Bay Packers. He might turn into draft capital. What I do know is it's real football to him starting Friday night when oh, he yeah, is able to play. So and it's and it's you said it's not, you know, real football. And that's true of like the you know seven guys that are guaranteed to make your roster. The other 83 that are suiting up and strapping up on Friday night and the other nights, it's absolutely real to them. Guys like even first round picks like Quay Walker, who you know are going to make the team. This is his first shot at playing NFL football. This is the first shot of guys like Sean Ryan to play NFL football. Players to get some reps under their belt. And even like you see guys all the we see it all the time. Guy gets a rep under his belt. Desmond Howard won a Super Bowl MVP and would not have done that if he didn't make a huge play in the preseason. So this isn't for me to say that preseason football is awesome. It's a great product all the time because it isn't. But it's useful, it's meaningful, and I definitely don't think they should be getting rid of it anytime soon. So let's talk about – that's kind of the philosophy on preseason football. Let's talk about some of the guys that are going to play in this game. And I want to start on the offensive side of the ball, and I want to talk about the guys on the offensive line. So throughout the early portion of camp, I would bet, assuming the Packers play guys that are relatively, you know, not guaranteed starters, I guess is the way you put it, you know, you draw the line. You get a guy like Yosh Nyman, um, for example, is kind of where I'm thinking of maybe where they draw the line. But your starting offensive line is Yosh Nyman, John Runyon, Josh Myers, uh, Jake Hansen, and Royce Newman going across the front there. And I said this today, and I, I like, no duh, Jake, like two all-pro players being out is bad. But I don't know that it's being talked about enough that Elton Jenkins and David Bakhtiari – may not start the season for the team. And who knows when they like with Bakhtiari, it's who knows when he will be available and Jenkins to maybe a lesser degree, who knows when he'll be available, but 
that group that I just named from left to right, if that is your starting offensive line group from left to right on opening day, you're talking about Josh Nyman, who to me is a replacement level average left tackle, which is a very valuable thing, but it's still accurate. John Runyon's a solid player. Josh Myers has played seven games in his career. We don't know if he's anything. You don't know if Jake Hansen's anything. He's never played extensively. And Royce Newman struggled as a guard last season. And if you replace one of those guys, say it's Zach Tom playing right tackle, and then you kick Newman down to guard, well, it's still Royce Newman struggled as a guard last season, and Zach Tom has never played extensive NFL football in his career. And the same is true if Sean Ryan ends up winning that job. Those seem to be the guys competing for that position. Ross, I just painted a big, scary picture for everybody. But what's your concern level with this offensive line group? What are you looking for as we get into? Because practice says the defense is dominating them. Now, Matt LaFleur said today, you can take that one of two ways. You can obviously take that as the offense is struggling or the defense is dominating. The answer is probably somewhere in the middle. But what's your concern level, if any, on the offensive line right now? And what are you looking for as these preseason games progress? Uh, five or six. Um, because I worship at the altar of Luke Butkus and Adam Stenovich. I, you know, I'm, I'm in the cult. I, I would, I would drink their dirty bath water, you know, uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm about that life. I, I have seen them roll out Lane Taylor at left tackle and win a game in Atlanta. Like I, I, or whatever the heck that was. Like, I've, I've just – I've seen it, man. Um, like, I saw them beat the Vikings with Lane Taylor at left tackle. Like, I, I believe – Definitely in, beat the Bears. I know that. I, I, be, I believe in Brian Gutekunst's available, or ability to – like, I think Zach Tom is that dude. I, I, I was at practice, and, and I, I just – I think he can play – I think he's baby Elton. I think he's smaller, but, like – Anyway, that that's another tangent for another day, but I I just I'm not going to stress out. Like offensive line play is not going to be anything that's going to completely freak me out because of Stanovich, because of Butkus, and ultimately too. Like we don't actually know that these guys are going to be unavailable. They could be unavailable. That 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 could happen. But there's a chance, I suppose, that they are available and that they, you know, that they do play uh, kind of right away in the season. And if, if that happens, then I'm actually really excited about this offensive line. So that's, that's why I'm only at a five or a six. But, you know, you're, you're banking on, uh, or at least I am, banking on Zadarius Smith and or Daniil Hunter missing significant time. It might not mean that first game of the season. <laughs> you might have to – it might it might be very seldom that a team actually has to block both those guys this year. But that's still week one. And at Tampa is still week three. So it's, it's, it's at least a little bit concerning uh, two of the first three weeks if they don't have their full complement of, of protectors there. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. 
Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. And I want to talk, hit on what Ross just talked about, too. Like the full spectrum of this offensive line is right now, I think, you know, five or six is probably about right where it's like, oh, man, like, yeah, they kind of need to get those guys back because there's a lot of uncertainty then on this offensive line. And like what Ross just said, history would indicate that these coaches are going to get these guys ready and there's plenty of talent for them to work with. But, man, let's, you know, the other end of the spectrum is what if Bakhtiar is back at left tackle? What if Elton Jenkins is back at wherever the hell you want to play him? You know, maybe they want to play Yash at right tackle and just keep uh, Jenkins at guard. I don't know. But, I mean, these different scenarios with those guys back, then you start talking about your level of concern being a five or six for this being a weakness to this might be a strength of the offense is if they get both those guys back playing at, a, at their old self. Because then, you know, you have, okay, all pro David Bakhtiari. He's going to elevate the play of John Runyon Jr., who is a, a good to above average guard right now, who could take another leap. It seems like he's really just solidified that left guard spot, and he's really one of the only guys that has not been rotated around. You know, Josh Myers, you're right, Jacob. He only played seven games, but he was he's pretty good in those seven games. Okay, right guard, I'm not sure what they're going to do there. Uh, maybe they just kick Elton in there if he's healthy and keep Yash at right tackle. I don't know. Uh, but you're starting to talk about a, a really, really good offensive line if things fall into place like we expect them to. You know, not just all doom and gloom with these guys being out, but like looking at the positive side, there's a lot to be excited about with this group as well. I mean, this group, the guys, you know, let's say Elton and Boxer are they're they're not there week one. Then you're playing guys deeper in your rotation. But if they're back, those guys that are deeper in the, the rotation, linemen six, seven, eight are going to be better than what most teams have at their six, seven, and eight spot. So I think uh, I think there's a lot to be excited about with the offensive line, and just you know the, the answer is there. And I just think I think Elton is going to be back, and I think he's going to be totally fine. Uh, Bocciari, I think we're not going to know until like week eight. Not not that he's not going to play until week eight, but. With Bakhtiari, I want to see him come back and I want to see him stay healthy and I want to see him play like eight weeks before we can really say that he's back, you know? So um, I think there's a lot to be excited about with this offensive line group as well. Yeah, certainly. I think the the concern level on the offensive line is where you're talking about this is a Packers offense that has some uncertainty at the skill positions. You know, even if you worship at the altar of – current Hall of Famer Romeo Dubs and the upside that Christian Watson brings to this, this team and thinking that you know, Sammy Watkins could have a, a bounce back kind of year and Lazard will step, you know, all that stuff. 
there's still some uncertainty because we haven't seen it. You know, it's the same deal of trying to quote unquote replace Devonte Adams. The reality is like none of these guys have had to be relied on for an entire season with Devonte Adams, not being at least part of the plan moving forward. Matt LaFleur said, you know, 80% of their passing concepts ran through Devonte Adams. That's a lot. Then you add in that maybe they will be a little more reliant on their run game last year. You know, something I think that has been talked about, I know by the three of us, when you talk about green Bay's running game last year with the offensive line that they had for the most year, which again, didn't have David Bakhtiari, Billy Turner missed some time and they kind of had some rotation going on throughout the interior of that offensive line as well, because of the injuries to guys like Josh Myers and the right and the guard competition that they really had throughout the course of the year. A lot of the yardage that AJ Dillon and Aaron Jones created in the running game was created pretty much on their own. Like there was so much stuff that they did on their own. And if the Packers are going to be more reliant on their running game, Asking Jones and Dylan, and they can still do this. They're both really good football players, but asking them to create a ton of yardage on their own as the offense kind of tries to find its way. I think that's asking a lot. Now the high end potential for this offensive line. Again, if those two guys are there, Jenkins and Bakhtiari, you're talking about a unit that could be one of the best offensive lines of football. And that's something that I think they need. If this offense is going to get them over that hump, even if the defense is, which a lot of people seem to think this, if the Packers are going to be a championship team, it's going to be on the back of their defense, which is fine. If that's going to be the case, their offense is still going to need to be able to do something, newsflash, in order to do that. So I think in order to do that, they need both of those guys, and they need both of them to play at a high level. So that's the offensive side of things. On the defensive side of the ball, this is where things can get a little exciting. It was not that long ago. In fact, I think it was just a year ago that the Packers starting three defensive linemen in their base defense were Kenny Clark, who's really good. Dean Lowry, who nobody really knew was good last year until he was. And Tyler Lancaster, who is every Packer fan's favorite whooping boy while he was on the team because he was Tyler Lancaster. That's just who we decided to blame every single thing that's gone wrong with the defense on. Lancaster's gone. Lowry's coming off the best season of his career. And now you've added TJ Slayton for a second-year leap potentially who looks like he's doing some good stuff in camp. You've got Jerron Reed, who was a free agent signing, who just wrecked practice today per our podfather, Andy Herman. And you've got Devontae Wyatt, who they spent a first round pick on and broke some of their, like all three of us were on draft pods saying, man, Devontae Wyatt's good, but I ain't going to draft him. He's like 30 years old or something like that. We made a bunch of comments about how the Packers probably wouldn't draft this guy because of how old he is. Well, okay. Awesome. They did draft him and they drafted him with a first round pick. So they broke a bunch of votes. They love this guy very clearly. The Packers right now to me could have five defensive linemen that they feel really good about throwing out there and playing significant snaps. And where in years past, I'm not saying they could survive an injury to Kenny Clark now because you don't survive injuries to players like Kenny Clark, but it's not to the point where it's like, okay, it's Kenny right there. And you guys remember for years when it was Clay Matthews was on one side of the edge. And then it was like, man, if they could just find another dude to run with him, like the Super Bowl season had Eric Walden and Frank Zombo playing over there, for example. And then they tried to do the Nick Perry thing. And then he was never really healthy enough for that to work. And by the time Julius Peppers was there, Matthews had kind of kicked inside and that kind of wrecked some of the peak of what that could have been. That's what it's kind of felt like with Kenny Clark for a while is they haven't been able to surround him with really good players. And now it feels like they have to a point where this team could not just get by on the defensive line, 
but dominate up front. Morley, what's your take on just the shift and how great? Because what, guys, the 2019 NFC Championship game was not that long ago. Like we can remember those days pretty vividly. They were not that long ago. And Green Bay now, it feels like, is so far removed from that. What's your take on that? The, the we have a defense year? Uh, no, we didn't. Yeah, no, we didn't. Uh, <laughs> but and, and maybe that'll be the case this year, too. Maybe all of this will be for not. And I think a lot of us are wired that way to kind of be like, okay, well, we'll, we'll believe it when we see it. That's but, me. I will When we do our season prediction stuff, you'll hear that from me, just to be clear. Yeah, and that's – no, that's fair. I think that's more than fair because it is kind of that case where it, it has been like – there's been good defensive players around green Bay for a while and they just have never really been able to have a good squad, but I think they have, you know, at all three levels, what's really exciting is obviously everything's going to start up front with that front seven and it, you know, those big boys up front, but you know, with them being able to get pressure to stop the run, there's absolute dogs on the back end of this defense too. There's just really not a weakness in their starting 11 um, on paper, but that's great on paper. Uh, but you know, for as far as these big guys up front in these, you know, three down linemen sets, if they want to start running that a little bit more, um, here's, you know, here are some Dean Lowry stats from last year, just to kind of paint a picture. Um, last year, and this is NFC North, just within the division, uh, total pressures last year for a defensive lineman, number one was Kenny Clark, because Kenny Clark rules. Uh, number two, Dean Lowry, um, by kind of a wide margin. And then as far as sacks, these are pro football focuses numbers. Oh, excuse half me. Are for uh, cowards. Yeah, no half sacks. Are for, no half sacks. Uh, number one in the NFC North last year, Dean Lowry was six. So Dean Lowry and Kenny Clark have, you know, they had really good years last year. But now you're talking about adding a guy like Jerron Reed, um, who, you know, you talk to people in Kansas City last year, he was fine. Like that was kind of the thing. It's like, oh, he, he was he was all right. That's that's great if he can be all right in Green Bay because they haven't had guys that are just all right. And the guy that really is interesting to me that I think is kind of, you know, like we talk about Darnell Savage. And, man, if Darnell Savage can just make that jump and just be a consistent ball hawk type safety, this defense is going to be elite. I think TJ Slayton, in a lot of ways, is very similar to, to what Darnell Savage is on the back end. Because he's, he's kind of someone – that we don't talk about a ton that was an absolute freak show athlete when he came out of Florida and at his size, if he can put that all together and show us some of the stuff that he did last year, you know, the guy he still had, I think he had a dozen pressures, a couple sacks last year. He is a guy that at his size has just unbelievable burst. And if he's someone that can put that together and do that in, you know, give, give you four or five plays like that a week, where he's just wrecking something, that's all you need from him because he's going to be your fourth or fifth defensive lineman. And if if you have if that is your fourth or fifth defensive lineman, someone that's doing stuff like that, that is when it can get really fun for this defense because then Kenny Clark, it looks like they're already starting to play around with what he can do, moving him around, which is stuff they've done in the past. But now if a guy like Reed, a guy like Slayton and Lowry can play good snaps, can play good minutes, one – Kenny Clark isn't playing 80% of the snaps and he's moving around. You get a little bit more creative with him. And then we haven't even talked about Wyatt, their first round pick who looks the part so far. If he's your fifth defensive lineman, I mean, the matchups that some of these guys are going to be getting as rotational players is going to be really, really exciting. And I think, you know, Jacob, who is it? Your favorite coach that always says, solve your problems with aggression. Don hey, Brown. Hit, the, hit the quarterback. 
And that's what these guys are, I think are going to do. And, and then on top of that, I mean, we, we're not even getting into the best pass rusher in the NFL right now, Rashawn Gary. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Yeah, and that's when we get out to the edge on that side of things. Ross, the other thing uh, on this that I think is possible is is Kenny Clark and potentially unlocking some stuff that I mean, we know Kenny Clark's awesome, no question about it. But this might have a chance because of the guys around him to be maybe his most productive year as a professional. What are some things you think that he could do? One, second year in Joe Barry's defense. Two, having some more potential high-level guys around him. Oh, it's it's a it's a huge deal. I think you know Kenny's always been a guy who prides himself and is is frankly impressive based on just how often he plays. You know, it's it's not a common thing for dudes his size to be available for as many snaps as he is just flat out and uh i think it's commendable i think it's impressive but ultimately and this sounds maybe a little bit insane but like ultimately the best version of kenny clark is the least amount of kenny clark we can possibly have if that if that makes sense i mean i would rather have like 32 or 29 really good kenny clark snaps a game and have him really get headed downhill at the quarterback, um, you know, and then having to like two gap guys and stuff like that. So uh, that's where I'm at with the whole thing. Yeah, I definitely think that that's a possibility as well. Now go into like some of the guys that that Green Bay has around him. Obviously, Jerron Reed, somebody you've talked about previously. Uh, Devontae Wyatt, obviously somebody that you were really high on at the initial part of the draft process and just what these guys can potentially do because – the other thing about it is, as the D-line, Morley mentioned Rashawn Gary and Preston Smith, you know, the, the depth at edge isn't really there. So is this something where we could see, you know, guys maybe a little more across the front taking one of them edge guys off the field and playing somebody, you know, closer like a more traditional defensive end type in some pass rush type packages? I think it's on the menu. You know, I don't I don't think it's going to be the base, but um, I think you could see situations where, Kenny even lines up over a tackle and, and rushes. I think they even had that package out there. Um, you know, you could get uh, uh, Devontae Wyatt headed downhill in that way, but that, that'd be more of a, a specialized thing. But you might see a little bit more 3-3 three, three nickel than than you've, you know, normally seen. Um, yeah, it, maybe get Quay Walker heading at the quarterback in that type of a scheme. And I don't mean like three – like. I mean, true three, three, not like 
5-1, which is that what they basically played last year with Devondre Campbell. I mean, getting you know some athletes out there on the field. So be interesting, certainly. Um, but yeah, Jerron Reed uh, being an above average player would be a big time. But Devontae Wyatt potentially being an elite player, you know that that'd be even bigger time if, if you if you will. Um, you know, Packers fans are so thirsty for complimentary interior rush that like I fell in love with Kingsley Kiki. You know, I mean that just that little bit of juice and uh, Devontae Wyatt, man, he has the juice. Uh, he he is a very interesting dude and someone that. Uh, I'm I'm very excited to watch uh, as he grows and, and and it's good for him that he can kind of sit behind a guy like Jerron Reed. Although, as we've mentioned, kind of ad nauseum, he is an older prospect and might be ready now. You know, they might have they might have been excited for him because his floor is so high that it might be go time right now. Which is great because we the, we always talk about. Well, who who are you gonna, who are you going to double team? That's always brought up, right? And the the answer was always Kenny Clark, and that that still is the answer. You, that's yeah. what teams are going to do. You're still going to double Kenny, but like, what is that going to provide for these other guys? I mean, in the past, guys have not like Tyler Lancaster is not going right. out there and beating beating a guard, right? Devontae Wyatt might, Jerron Reed might, even Slayton might get a little push, you know. So like that that is the question now, you know. And we're not even getting into the edge rushers and Preston Smith and and Rashawn Gary, who teams are gonna have to make hard choices about who they're gonna double, how they're gonna play this front seven, and what that's gonna look like. I think it's gonna be fascinating not only to watch this defense, and you know, hopefully this defense is good because hey, Joe Barry, you've got the dogs, and I know we've said that, like, but it's it's time. It is time to go out there and put together a good squad because you have everything that you could possibly want. This is one of the most talented defenses in the National Football League. And I don't, I'm not just saying that. I mean, it really is. I think they have seven first-round draft picks on this defense. That's that's absurd. So Right. Like, if they get to the Super Bowl or an area around that, you guys remember when the storyline around San Francisco a couple years ago is, well, they have four first-round picks on their defensive line. That's going to be what they talk about. If Green Bay's defense is really good and you're getting to a point where – like they're playing for something big. They're just going to talk about how many talented players are on that group and how the investment that they finally had. And, and I think that something you guys have kind of touched on a little bit that we're all kind of waiting for as fans is this isn't the first time that they've had a defense with a, a heavy investment in it. You know, there's, there's a lot of guys on this defense in, in years past where it's been like, okay, well they spent, you know, an, literally an entire draft class, what, 10 years ago on the defense. And they've spent a lot of – I mean, it's been talked about a bunch. They haven't spent first-round picks on offensive players. So that leads you to know that they've spent it on the defense. It's wanting to see that finally pay off and get to a point where, like, their defense isn't just passable and saying, like, well, you know, we only need to hold this team to 24 points because Rodgers will get us 27. It's like, no, hold the team to 17 or hold the team to 10. Now – Last year they did and still didn't work out. But do that more consistently in playoff games. You're going to win a hell of a lot more than you lose. And the difference between the heavy investment that they've had in the past, because let's be real, they've they've invested in defense since Rodgers has been here. You go back and look at their first-round draft picks, it's very heavily skewed to the defensive side of the ball. The difference being is these guys are have been good. You know, we're not talking about Demarius Randall, Quentin Rawlins, 
Nick Justin Harrell, Nick Perry, Ha-Ha Clinton Dix. I mean, the list goes on. And some of those players were fine. Nick Perry was a, a fine football player. Ha-Ha Clinton Dix was fine when he was in Green Bay. But we're talking about Rashawn Gary, Jair Alexander, Kenny Clark, you know, bringing in guys like Devondre Campbell. Eric Stokes was a revelation last year, his rookie year. Preston Smith has been great. Dean Lowry was good last year. I mean, so like all these guys have been good individually. And so can we can we have a unit? Can there be a unit? Can Joe Barry get all those ingredients mixed together and have something special? It's up to him. You know, and that's it's really there's no more excuses. It's it, the, the capital has been invested. The development has happened. Now, let's go see it on the field. And I think all of us are just more than ready to see that. Yeah, and if you look at it, I mean, honestly, if you look at the starting 11, and we'll just call it the 11 in base, you know, what is the for sure weakness? Sure, you could say the other linebacker spot because we don't know if Quay Walker is good or not. But, like, the corners, the safeties, the starters, they're all good. The edge guys, the two starters are very good. The defensive line guys, like, you were talking. You guys were talking about Tyler Lancaster earlier. Like, if Kenny Clark gets doubled, then yeah, you're right. There is no pass rush coming then from the defensive line because it's not going to happen. All of those guys that we just talked about, Slayton, uh, Wyatt, Reed. Reed has a ten sack season in his resume somewhere. Like that wasn't that long ago. It wasn't yesterday, but it wasn't that long ago. Wyatt, that's what he does. That's why he's here is to rush the passer. And you mentioned, I mean, guys. Even last year, Kenny Clark is somebody who, you know, we talk about quarterbacks that raise the level of play of their defense. Go watch some Kingsley Kiki stuff from last year. guy. Kingsley Kiki is a journeyman defensive lineman at this point. He's on his third team already. And there are games that he's legitimately having chances to wreck. Pittsburgh, huge play in that game. Chicago was good against them the first time they played. Like, Kiki had some moments. And Clark's going to elevate those players around him. I don't think it's underestimating something to say that this defensive line is probably the best one green Bay's had since 2010 with BJ Raji as an all pro and Colin Jenkins, maybe 2014 with Raji and guy on like whatever way you want to look at it. I don't think it's underestimated to be excited. I have tempered expectations. Like I mentioned, Jake, like you said, I've never seen them be a great defense. I haven't seen the Packers have a great defense. And I mean, a legitimately great one since 2010 when they won the Super Bowl. They haven't had a great defense since then. So tempered expectations, but the possibilities are certainly there. Guys, real quick before we run out of time, I think we ran over and Ross's kids have already fallen asleep. So we're probably not going to have him next week because uh, his wife might have him in a lot of trouble, but that's a joke, guys. It's fine. Um, Friday night, the Packers play San Francisco. Is it, is it fine? <laughs> well, <laughs> I guess that's up to you. Um Friday night, the Packers play the 49ers in San Francisco real quick. Jake Morley, who's one player you're watching for, not named Romeo Dubs because that's not fair, to that you're looking and hoping makes an impact? Oh, man, I want to see I want to see Quay. I want to see him get out there. I want to see him make some plays. I want to see him be that guy, that 11th guy on the defense that we don't know about so far. I want to see him get out there and show us why he was the 22nd overall pick and shocked the world when the Packers took him. So, uh, that's what I want to see. That's what I'm going to be most looking forward to for uh, for Friday nights, and then obviously Jordan Love. But that's that's kind of the goes without saying. We've seen him already. So Quay Quay Walker, final answer. Quay Walker, final answer. Ross Uglum. Um, the offensive lineman, um, Tom and Ryan. That's I want to. 
want to get into the nitty and the gritty, man. Shout out Owen Reese. Shout out Owen Reese. I'm going to go with Rico Gafford. And I know that might be a ridiculous thing, but something that I am longing for maybe just as much as a good defense as a competent return unit. And I saw today the depth chart came out. Rico Gafford is listed as the team's starting kickoff returner. Will that be the same when Christian Watson returns? Who knows? I know Watson was an All-American kickoff returner, as I read in 24-7 Sports Bison reports uh, that you can certainly find by shout-out to those guys, of course. Um, But Gafford is somebody who the speed is intriguing alone, and that certainly jumps off the screen just right away. You see some stuff about him being a an outside rusher on special teams for like the field goal block unit, just stuff like that. Not even just that. Can I get something on the special teams unit that isn't a complete tire fire? Can I have somebody catch a punt without looking like they're Peyton Manning dancing in the pocket? Can I have something like that? I just want a special teams game that doesn't have a significant screw up. All I'm asking for, all I'm asking for. Right of time for today's episode. Thank you guys for checking us out. You can follow us at Packaday Podcast on Twitter. You can follow Ross. He's at Ross Uglum. Find his work over at Packer Report, which is really going to start ramping up, especially after Friday night with the season and stuff going. And you can follow Jacob. He's at Jacob Morley. Appreciate you guys listening. We'll have a game to talk about uh, next Monday, and we're really getting into the nitty-gritty of football season. Thank you guys for listening, and we'll see you next week. Chapman, welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.